Wednesday night edition of the Dunktown Basketball Podcast. Game three, a classic. It is in the books. Unfortunately, it looks like it will not be a classic overall finals, but I think we'll remember this game for quite some time. It was a 118-113 Golden State Warriors win coming back from down six with uh, under three minutes remaining. I want to let you know before we get into the meat of things that were sponsored today by Transistor. They actually just created my new website for me, nateduncannba.com, where you can keep up with all of our endeavors. But I am small potatoes to compared to who they normally work with. They have a core business of helping medium to large companies improve their online business through advertising, search engine optimization, web analytics, and more. And then Ball and Branch, B-O-L-L and Branch, the sheets that I am currently sleeping on. Well, not at this very moment, but just in general in my life. Use the promo code CAPSPACE to get $50 off plus free U.S. shipping at bowlandbranch.com. So, Danny, you've already recorded uh, on this with KP. We did the Twitter NBA show, which was uh, rollicking fun for sure in this game. I think the biggest things, uh, I can point to three themes that stuck out for me in it. So I'll do one, and then if you want to alternate with some of the ones that you had. Golden State looked fresher to me down the end. Kerr was getting a lot of criticism on twitter for not playing green at center more not extending his stars more they got beat really badly with the no steph no kd unit at the start of the second quarter as cleveland got back into it after being down eight when they got killed when lebron was out of the game at the end of the first but golden state in fact was fresher down the end it seemed like and had more of a bounce in their step as we saw some pretty stagnant Cavs possessions late and them getting beat in transition a lot late as well yeah i I do think that's a big takeaway from this game. No Warrior played more than 40 minutes and 55 seconds. Kyrie played 44-23. LeBron played 45-37. And these are incredibly high-stress, high-intensity minutes, not only because of the stakes, but because of how hard both of these teams make the other work. Yeah, that's definitely true, and especially how hard Golden State makes Cleveland work, and especially LeBron, who I thought actually did pretty well overall defending Kevin Durant, as he did not in the first couple of games. And Cleveland's defense, I thought, was as good as it possibly could have been after the first quarter in this game as well. They really increased the intensity. They forced more turnovers, especially in the second half. Throughout most of it, their defense was really outstanding. What were uh, one of the key things that you thought stood out? This was what a Cleveland win in this series would look like. You know, LeBron, Kyrie were both excellent at different times. LeBron's first half was spectacular. And Kyrie had uh, numerous great moments during this game. It was unbelievable believable inside the inside two it was 16 to 22 inside the arc incredible they played much better defense they got more contributions from other guys i mean not necessarily love offensively but jr had a couple of baskets more than before Kyle corver made some baskets as well you know i thought this was when when i envisioned when i picked the warriors winning in six games i envisioned cleveland winning games like this I agree with you, except for one key thing. Their three-point shooting, again, really failed them. 12 of 44, 27% overall. The 44 attempts is a fantastic number, and they really were getting whatever they wanted at times in the third quarter and early in the fourth, but only three of 18 on corner threes. That's, I can't remember a Warriors team giving up that many corner threes. That's a ridiculous number. I think like the worst team in the league gives up like 10 a game, and Cleveland just couldn't make them three of 18 on what's supposed to be the easiest shot in basketball now i will admit that some of those were pretty contested jr smith tough fadeaways kevin love hand in his face lebron that shot at the very end that got blocked by iguodala so they're a little more difficult corner threes but overall i mean especially in the third quarter when the Cavs still outscored the warriors 33 to 22 i thought they left points on the table that that corver corner three inside the last minute as well was one that you could look at there and overall in the series cleveland has not had a good three-point shooting game and maybe if they had shot at kind of the higher end of their range in terms of what they can expect to do from three-point land then maybe we would have seen a, a more competitive series than we have that's a great point and i think another measure of this is that cleveland attempted 11 more what are called uncontested thanks to sport view shots in this game mostly those are long longer shots that there isn't a guy around because almost anything around the rim is going to be contested just because there's somebody close enough just due to the geometry of the court or at least if not contested in real life contested by their definition which is that someone is is within five feet yeah so cleveland was 16 of 46 the warriors had 35 
five attempts, so 11 fewer, but made 18 of those. So they had more makes on 11 fewer attempts. The next thing that stuck out to me was the game within the game of Cleveland's pick and rolls, trying to get the weakest player switched on to LeBron James or Kyrie Irving, usually Steph Curry, but also uh, Eden Clark. And Cleveland had not as much success with that in game two. They really went away from it. In game one, the Warriors, I probably was actually a little hard on, on Cleveland as far as that because I really went back and looked and there are a lot of those plays that weren't logged necessarily where they did gain an advantage on that but nonetheless the Warriors shut them down pretty good in game one this game the Warriors did well on them early and then in the third quarter and then especially early in the fourth quarter they really had a ton of success on those plays but remember that Draymond Green did not play hardly any center at all until the last six minutes of the game because he was in foul trouble nearly the entire game with some completely asinine fouls and then they actually were able to control those pick and rolls extremely well in the last six minutes of the game and that was a big reason why they're able to win and why they're able to hold Cleveland scoreless over the last three minutes or so of the game and close it out on an 11-0 run some of that is personnel just that Draymond is a better defender than anybody else on the Warriors but a lot of it is also his communication and his defensive acumen that he can see what the Cavs are doing and he can make the the other players initiate and execute the defensive schemes that he's seeing and that he wants to do and we saw the Warriors just not able to put that together without him on the floor last big thing I I thought that Cleveland's defense really was outstanding especially when you consider that Kevin Love played center for nearly the entire second half uh Thompson started but he didn't play very much He, he only played seven minutes in the second half and a couple of those were just defensive switches uh offense defense situations at the end and Love played 37 minutes, was only one out of nine, but he had one of the better defensive games that you can expect from him. And he deserves a lot of credit for how he's defended in these playoffs, even though uh, if he gets switched on to the wrong guy, it can be a problem. They did not switch with him hardly at all. They got killed with that in game two and game one instead. It was much more trapping, but they really did a great job of just being physical, pushing the Warriors further out on the floor than they wanted to go in the second half. And after that first quarter, in which the Warriors went 9 of 14 on threes, they managed only 7 of 24 the rest of the game and 4 of 13 in the second half. Did not get hardly any open threes. And Cleveland's pressure, their intensity was really solid. Kyle Korver, another guy who doesn't have a lot of physical tools, did very well with some of the pick and rolls that they tried tried to run at him but in the end still it wasn't enough and that's because Kevin Durant had an unbelievable end to this game I want to go back to your main point there for a couple of quick stats that I think are are significant one Kevin Love led this game in deflections and steals he had seven deflections and six steals which is impressive he was just in the way at the right times and I he deserves a lot of credit yeah, for his that. hands have been underrated in the yeah. in this series and in the Boston series I thought he did a yeah. nice job there overall too and the Warriors shot 44 percent from the field in the last three quarters i mean usually the constraints we use are more normal like first half second half things like that but in the last three quarters cleveland only shot 41 percent, but the warriors shot 44 and as you said from three seven of 19 when they were nine of 14 in the first quarter alone Uh, i have one more if you want if before we get into the nitty-gritty of this game and that was something that you know using using my spaces i've talked about a lot this season but was really true in this game that the warriors non-stars in particular they're real non-stars you know like Zaza Pachulia and Ian Clark and all those guys just didn't JaVale have a place. Javale McGee. They they were they were all just off or bad in, in this game. Pachulia had some, you know, he he's doing the job that he is given, which is basically just neutralize Tristan Thompson, and he deserves credit for that. But the the amount of negative that he is on offense is just amazing. I mean, because and he does this thing. I, I it's it's fascinating to me that he you know he sets very good screens and he also sets periodically sometimes frequently very dirty screens but sometimes he sets dirty screens when they're completely unnecessary and there was one of those where he kind of like lifted his arms a little bit got called for a foul which actually ended up being a well it's hard to say it was a four point swing but probably because it was the last play of I think it was the second quarter was the last play of the second quarter where the Warriors had the ball with the shot clock off he gets called for a a clear illegal screen and then Cleveland gets a basket to end the to end the quarter half whatever it was yeah that was an unbelievable move by Irving like oh yeah uh, 
Although he did actually probably travel on that one. Eh. Uh, it looked like he looked like he took two consecutive steps with his left foot, but nonetheless, it was still fantastic. And then he also had that play in the third quarter where he just held Kevin Love uh, to prevent him from getting over in front of Durant, who was just going to dunk on him anyway. There was really just no reason to do that at all. And I, the referees deserve credit for the fact that they are calling that play now pretty well because uh, that is a cheap play. It definitely has no place in the game, so I'm glad that it gets penalized. And hopefully, players will stop doing it because if your guy is driving you're already in an advantage situation so do you really want to risk taking that away just by to like hold the help defender especially when you have a great finisher like Durant going to the rim um and you mentioned Petrulia they did a better job of leaving in at times though there was one play where they're able to he was able to screen and get clay thompson or katie i can't remember who open and love was guarding him and lebron said to love hey just leave Pachulia. like it doesn't matter if he's 20 feet from the basket screening like he's not going to do anything out there just double team when someone comes off that screen um sorry we, we got lots more to talk about here on this one but first i want to tell you about my new website nate duncan and the, the big reason to tell you about it is because i got help with it from my buddy jay Ratkowski at Transistor. Jay is a Dunkton listener, huge Bucks fan, and he reached out to me last month because he wanted to advertise to the type of people that listen to this show, namely smart and successful ones, and also, of course, support the show, which he really enjoys. He's a great part of the Dunkton community. I've been enjoying his tweets for a long time. Part of the deal when Jay advertised was that he gave me from some free services, which have already really been helpful. Check out that website, NateDuncanMBA.com, to see some of his handiwork. And he's also got some long-term plans that we're going to implement, like using ads to increase the Patreon support. And another idea he had just to increase the search optimization in iTunes to put the word NBA in the podcast name, even if it's redundant. The whole point is so people can find it because we weren't showing up in searches for NBA. So now hopefully we'll get more listeners that way as well and the way that jay can help you is if you're trying to grow your business online or uh if you're worried that changes from google or other search engines could cause a sudden drop in your traffic transistor can help get you on the right track they help medium to large companies improve their online business through advertising search engine optimization web analytics and more so if you're responsible for marketing a brand on the web and looking for help you can skip the hassle of trying to recruit and hire someone which is pretty difficult to do unless you're on one of the coasts someone who has experience in that area and give transistor a try you can get the full range of services of an ad agency but with the personal attention of a consultant the way to get started with j and transistor go to jfet jfet dot io slash capspace slash capspace url is easy to remember because we talk about it all the time in the program and you can get a comprehensive audit of your site with recommendations you can use yourself for 500 dollars, which is 50 percent off their normal price once again that's jfet jfet dot io slash capspace it seemed like in the first quarter again as lebron really got going Going, as Kyrie got going and then Golden State led by eight points at the end of that quarter 39-31 that it was just more of the same where we thought oh just like game two man Cleveland is playing so well they look great and yet here Golden State has the lead anyway this must be so demoralizing uh, but then I thought Cleveland impressively took it to even another level after that yeah I mean it gets lost a little bit because of how the quarter ended but I thought Cleveland had a nice push at the beginning of the second quarter where they really took advantage of the limited offense of Golden State's second unit they were Cleveland was plus six they basically wiped out that lead during those during that about five minutes and then from that point it was you know it was pretty nip and tuck for a while until you know except for the time that LeBron oh no LeBron that he sat in the first quarter that's right yeah that's right it, it was 31 29 Cleveland Golden State then went on a 10-0 run in merely a minute 36 they brought in Patrick McCaw for KD right about the same time that LeBron went out. Steph Curry hit a step back three going to his right on Tristan Thompson. Then Steph hit another three immediately in transition to put Golden State up by four. Sean Livingston got a dunk assisted by Draymond Green as they again got out in transition. And that was an 8-0 Golden State run in only 53 seconds. And then Kevin Durant came back in along with Clay Thompson for the last possession of the game there was a miscommunication between Amon Shumpert and Kevin Love on the Steph Curry 
pick and roll uh, kd set up draymond green actually no i'm sorry it was it was a kevin durant pick and roll and he set up draymond green for a dunk and so 39 31 you felt like hey golden state could break it open here but then they went to this lineup with ian clark and i just i really don't understand i know that lineup has been successful and they it seems like they needed a little more shooting and clark has helped that lineup work but he just if lebron james is on the floor and Kyrie irving are on the floor which one of them always are clark just can't play against those guys he's he if you think steph curry is bad defensively against Kyrie Irving which I don't actually know that he is that bad overall but Ian Clark is really like 10 times worse because Ian Clark is really just not like an NBA quality athlete and especially in the fourth quarter the Cavaliers really cooked him we saw what Kyrie did to him in the second quarter or game two in the sort of the fourth quarter and well, something so else, I think uh, they should go with McCaw instead I in completely line. agree yeah I mean McCaw basically what you're relying on for Ian Clark is just taking advantage of open shots when they present it he has no ball handling responsibilities and then to try on defense Patrick McCaw is not better at the shooting part of it but he's better at everything else and he is he reduces a, a weak point which is in so many ways more important but where I want to go is we can't talk about the first quarter without mentioning Clay Thompson. I mean, Thompson, before he went out, so he went out basically right before that run happened. He had 16 points and was basically the Warriors' only reliable offense before those last minute, that last minute and a half. Yeah, and they really lost him in transition. He got out for a dunk pretty early on. Cleveland's defense was pretty bad, I thought, in the first quarter in uh semi-transition and, and so thompson was able to get open i mean he wasn't hitting really ridiculous shots was he it was mostly just no. he was getting open and making them no it was more it was more him getting hot the way that he usually does which is making good shots and then starting to take bad ones <laughs> yeah i mean he did take a couple off the dribble that, that weren't great shots um yeah then the other thing that was weird about starting the second quarter was that lebron it's in the play-by-play as lebron james makes 18 foot jumper but it actually was an attempted pass to kevin love where andre Iguodala fouled him on the arm and it just went in as ian clark was fouling love and that was an action that the Cavs run a lot which they've had really great success with against pretty much everyone especially golden state of one guy at the elbow a good passer either james or love and then a back screen by a really good shooter either smith or corver that got clark switched on to love and, and he was open underneath and so he got the and one there and then the next play was kyle corver going back door on ian clark and making a dunk and i i applauded corver on the twitter nba show because he did something he and i are about the same age that i did not do when i missed a dunk playing pickup the other day uh he went for the i'm gonna hold it like on the very end of my fingertips as i try to go up for a two-hand dunk <laughs> and he barely snuck it over the rim i did not i tried to dunk off off of vert i i cannot do that anymore uh but good to see kyle corver get a dunk in an nba finals game yeah i i can't identify with him at all but yes very nice well except for the being old part that i I can identify with and you mentioned thompson's first quarter james at one point made 10 of his first 11 shots and had 23 points it was just uh, Irving started off a little cold. He started off four a ten, uh, but James just was getting to the rim at will, and then he was hitting the three ball as well early in this one. Finished the game four of nine on threes, but I think he made three out of his first five. Yeah, he was three of but five halftime. Half yeah, including some pretty difficult attempts. Yeah, I mean, early on, it was LeBron that was really carrying Cleveland for the third straight first quarter. I mean, he was fantastic again. And then I wouldn't necessarily attribute all of his stepping off to fatigue because there is some regression of the mean. I mean, he's not going to be 11 of 14 in every half of this series. And I also did think, though, that this was, you. I think you mentioned this earlier, the worst defense that Durant has played on him. And part of that was it was another game where they didn't have as much help behind him. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. I mean, with Green playing so little and playing in foul trouble when he was, I mean, he makes a huge difference for Golden State defensively, especially against this Cavs team that has so much shooting where they don't really have. Maybe you can get away with playing Zaza Pachulia if you got Draymond Green and Kevin Durant on the floor around him as well. But you can't get away with playing him or playing JaVale McGee if you don't have both of those guys on the floor who can also close out and protect the rim as well. And they really got burned for for much of this game without Green and especially without Green at center. I mean, he probably played, what, maybe 
maybe like three or four minutes at center until that last six minute closing kick something like that yeah something like that and something i wanted to look up just because he's been in foul trouble notably for the last two games they played 58 minutes with green on the floor the warriors and they've they've allowed 101.8 points per hundred possessions which is quite good and when he's been on the bench against this team i mean that's unbelievable and then with him on the bench which is 38 minutes so 20 less but 20 fewer but not that many 116.3 and there's almost no garbage time in that stat a couple minutes yeah yeah and that garbage time would probably only serve to reduce it because their garbage time players aren't aren't that good and and remember Um, that draymond plays a lot with ian clark like this is not just like oh his minutes square with the warriors other good defenders that's not true at all necessarily jr smith was able to break out in this one he shot five of ten all ten of those were threes and he made five of them it did get to the foul line for one out of two uh, on a nice drive but 16 points uh, on 11 shooting possessions for him did better defensively as well had a couple of steals still just cannot guard clay thompson really it seems like on floppy action very well but they're able to cover for him reasonably well but the Cavs bench was other than kyle corver was quite a disaster richard jefferson 16 minutes 0 for 2 negative 5 darren williams was awful uh 0 for 2 a couple of really bad shots again uh but it ended up plus four just because he was playing against that bad warriors unit and then amon shumpert talk was that he was going to start no jr Smith played 20 34 minutes Shumpert only 12 0 for 3 by Shumpert which doesn't seem that bad except like all three of his shots were just really horrendous decisions contested when he could have gotten it to somebody else I mean there was one play where James had gotten the switch on Pachulia and he threw it to Shumpert with like seven on the shot clock Shumpert just never makes quick decisions right like he's almost like the Serge Ibaka of shooting guards where he just gets it and he always had if he's not wide open for the shot he always has to dribble or do something like he can't just like get it out of his hands quickly and then just like keep the train moving it's basically at the point where if he's playing with Kyrie or LeBron, much less both, any any offensive possession where the ball touches Shumpert's hands in the front court is a is a failed is a failure of some yeah, sort. Unless he's like wide open for a corner three or he's got it done. And that doesn't happen very much. So yeah, I mean and even if he's wide open for a corner three, I mean, I don't necessarily love that. I mean, there it's it's not a bad thing and you're forcing the defense to defend him out there, but it's it's a big limitation. And when you think about the idea of, you know, what Cleveland had in the tools to go forward, yes they did get 24 minutes from Kyle Korver I thought he played well overall but you know Richard Jefferson hasn't really been able to find a place this year after being huge in the 2015 2016 finals and also remember this is a small team building thing I think David Griffin has done a wonderful job but I I guess it was maybe because they needed to induce him to come Richard Jefferson instead of getting the veteran minimum he got bumped a little bit to the part of the taxpayer mid-level exception which was more money for him but also took away a tool that they could have used to get somebody else who could actually play in the series yeah he didn't get the full tax pyramid level at least i think he just got 2.5 million but he uh is which, under which in some ways makes it even year. worse because then it's just like you gave him a much a smaller raise but you monopolized a lot of that money yeah that's true uh let's get to a little bit of the third quarter which was a 33 22 demolition by cleveland and th- this was the quarter in which they really played absolutely incredible defense on the warriors and the warriors one of their big problems in this quarter was that the beautiful game was not working and Steph Curry didn't really get as many touches I thought he actually was their best offensive player by far in the first half um because he really had his three-pointer working off the dribble Steph finished up eight out of 19 26 points but five of nine on three-pointers what is he shooting now on three-pointers in this series it's got to be over 50 percent right I have it that Curry is 15 of 31, so 48.4% in the three games of the finals. Yeah, that that obviously, and getting up 10 a game as well, pretty impressive there. Another aspect of his game that was so ridiculous was 13 rebounds. He has been an outstanding rebounder in this series, especially with others doing a good job walling off Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love, although Love had one awesome stretch where he's got like every def- every offensive rebound for like a three-minute period in the fourth quarter, I think, but uh curry five offensive boards eight defensive boards 13 rebounds overall his second double digit rebound game of these finals yeah he's actually very close to averaging a triple double for the series he is one rebound and three assists short so there's a possibility that he could actually end up doing that and he still might not win finals mvp no i think it's got to be impossible for considering what durant 
has done over these first three games i mean uh unless like durant scores zero and he scores 50 in the next game but uh i don't necessarily see that happening so kyrie irving actually went just completely crazy in that third quarter with 16 points his finishing and some of his shots were really hard like hit the one the and one they had on clay where he came down the right side and clay did not do as good of a job of forcing him to his left kai really really likes to go right whether it's to step back to his right or to finish uh oddly right right foot jump but right hand finish i think maybe in part because of that left knee is the one that he injured two years ago in the finals and that i think is the one that he probably still has issues with as was reported at the end of the regular season but i mean that shot was just completely ridiculous getting bumped right foot right hand finish floater high off the glass got the mid-range game going as well and irving although he did struggle down the end in that third quarter shot seven of ten five of five at the rim two of two on mid-rangers and then he missed all three of his three pointers but he was definitely getting there at will and making some pretty crazy finishes although again the rim protection with green out of the game for a lot of the time green not playing center uh just wasn't there as much there was definitely a big difference in the quality of finishes that both he and james had for much of this game compared to what they had to deal with in games one and two and the cavaliers overall shot a solid 20 out of 28 at the rim a much better percentage than they had uh been shooting before and they only were first to take 12 long twos in this game they shot them pretty well at 42 percent uh so again this was not a good defensive effort from the warriors and really if the cavaliers hit any kind of threes like they could have put up a buck 30 on the warriors in this game something that i found interesting is that there were three different 16 plus point quarters by individual players in this game one by lebron one by clay and one by Kyrie, and then durant had a 14 point fourth quarter as well and the amount of talent on the floor in this series is just absolutely beyond imagining it might you really would have to go back to those 80s celtics and lakers when they had you know 85 87 84 to say that there was this much talent on the floor in one nba finals all right we'll uh get to the fourth quarter including a play-by-play down the end some really fascinating possessions i can't wait to get into here but first this from ball and branch b-o-l-l and branch.com is the website to get the sheets that i am currently enjoying sleeping on trying to buy sheets is another one of those things that's kind of a ridiculous process at the store that really makes you wonder like why even have a bricks and mortar store that's what uh, bull and branch wondered as well and there's certainly no reason to pay for the markup engendered by the fact that they are paying rent on this bricks and mortar store uh you know there's all this stuff that people try to do to market sheets like thread count like does that really mean anything oh is the fact that it's egyptian cotton does that like is it somehow as like a different chemical compound than cotton from other places Maybe if you're lucky, you're able to get into the store and unzip that package, that little like zipper thing that they give you that it's you're never going to use again because it's absolutely impossible to get the sheets back into there. And you can like kind of rub it, but it's like stretched really taut and you can't really tell what it's like to sleep on it at all. So how can you know that sheets are good? Well, you can check out some reviews. Bull and Branch has a ton of five-star reviews on a number of different sites. Three former U.S. presidents sleep on Bowling Branch. It's 100% organic cotton. And the beauty of Bowling Branch is you don't have to take anybody's word for it. They have a 30-day guarantee. If you don't like the sheets, you can return them. They're also free trade certified. And a portion of their proceeds go to charities that fight human trafficking as well. So you can feel really good about ordering these sheets. And you can feel really good while you sleep on them too. My, my girlfriend really likes them. She's, she gets really hot at night sometimes. And so having these sheets that are comfortable yet not too hot is something that she really likes. It's just a really high quality sheet. The best sheets that I personally have ever owned. I implore you to try them. The way to get started with Ball and Branch and get $50 off plus free U.S. shipping is to go to ballandbranch.com, B-O-L-L and branch.com. Enter that promo code CAPSPACE and that'll get you that $50 off your first set of sheets plus free shipping. Once again, ballandbranch.com, B-O-L-L and branch.com, promo code CAPSPACE. We talked again about Ian Clark's difficulties at the start of the fourth quarter i really think they should try to go to mccaw in game four and mccaw actually i mean he's not as good of a shooter as clark and i understand why they wouldn't want to go with livingston there because they tried him earlier in the year even playing with durant and they just couldn't get enough shooting on the on the floor 
but macaw is a good enough shooter that you have to guard him out there and he really just keeps the train moving he can drive he drives under control he hit a couple of big free throws at the end of the third quarter seemed like he was playing well and but you know just that's the lineup so Kerr's going to put it out there although I do think that Kerr can the way they close this game and the way he was able to keep them in the game while managing Green's foul trouble it was impressive and he certainly can uh, rub it back in anyone's face who's who is freaking out about his lineups in the game nonetheless I think you know there are some things that could be improved but another thing that was really interesting here was LeBron James only sat for like 30 seconds or something like that. They got him a very quick blow and they put him back in uh, even for the last possession, I think, of that quarter, the end of the third. And then I don't know, did Kyrie Irving go out at all in the second half? He did not. He played the full 24 minutes. Yeah, and he obviously was on fire, but... You could make the argument that he ran out of gas a little bit at the end. Although, I mean, he really only missed two shots, you know, so it might be a little reductive to say that, oh, yeah, they ran out of gas on offense. Um, well, and he wasn't involved in many of the defensive lapses late, you know, like I, I didn't see Curry wasn't the one making shots in the end of the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, certainly their overall energy was reduced a little bit, but you would be hard pressed to find any plays other than one, maybe where you can say, oh, man, like the fact that they just didn't have the energy is what led to this. I mean, maybe you could say that last step back that he took, you know, he didn't have the legs and that was way short, but uh, I thought that was more a failure in decision-making than, than execution. But McCaw hit those two free throws right at the end of the third quarter to draw Golden State within five at 94-89. But uh, Cleveland maintained a comfortable lead through most of it. They led it 102-95. to That was probably a win for Golden State uh, Kevin Durant came in a little bit earlier uh, when Green got his his fifth foul. Can we talk about how stupid a foul that was, by the way, by Draymond Green? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, that was the one of your favorites. It was a no-chance offensive rebound over the backbreaker. Well, not over the backbreaker because I mean, they didn't get free throws, but just backbreaking foul. And it was like, okay, I understand it. Number one, you got four fouls. So just like, don't even try to go over someone's back. But maybe it's like, oh, the ball is so close. It's tempting. Like, I can just reach it. He re- tried to reach out and he missed it by like four feet. Like it was like a whole, like he was behind. I think it was Love who was boxing out. And he was maybe like, the ball was like four feet in front of Love. And, and he just goes right through him and gets the foul. I mean, it was a clear foul. Just a, a really, really bad play by Green. And he's had, I mean, of all these fouls that have gotten him in foul trouble in this series, you know, at least half of them have been just of the very, just like total brain fart variety. So they had to bring Kevin Durant back in earlier than they wanted to. Both he and Curry closed that third quarter, whereas Durant would usually go out a little bit earlier. And Curry came back in with 8.52 remaining after the under nine timeout. Nonetheless, they trailed by seven at that point. Durant hit a couple of free throws, and then he also hit a two, but there wasn't much scoring really for those next couple of minutes. Kevin Love missing a pretty wide open three. Kyle Korver missing a pretty wide open three. I mean, they're at that point, I was like, man, they are getting great shots right now. They had a five point lead, and either of those could have gone down. Kyrie Irving missed a layup. J.R. Smith missed an open three. I think it was in the third quarter, but do you remember when that sequence when Love had like three offensive rebounds on the same possession? And I remember that as I thought that was going to be a big swing point in the game. Yeah, it actually was, I thought, a big swing point in the game because it was only a two-point game at that point in the third quarter and yeah he got two offensive rebounds and then he drew a foul on McGee as well uh and a foul on Clay Thompson that was yeah that was all in the same possession where he got two offensive rebounds a foul on Clay and a foul on JaVale McGee that made up for basically three of his four offensive rebounds all came on that one possession Let's pick it up here, though, at the end. It was 108-107 after Clay Thompson had hit a three. And Ty Lue, who's continued to be effective in the ATOs, went to that same play we talked about earlier, where this time it was Kevin Love at the elbow, J.R. Smith setting the back screen for LeBron. Steph Curry was forced to switch. He just got stuck behind LeBron, committed a foul, and they were in the bonus. So, And LeBron actually was able to hit both free throws to give Golden State a 110-107 lead or I'm sorry, to give Cleveland a 110-107 lead uh, with 428 left. And then came a key play, at least we thought, where Andre Iguodala missed a dunk. It looked like actually LeBron James and Kevin Love both got like little fingers on it and the dunk rimmed out. That was after really a nice possession of defense from Kyle Korver in particular, where Steph and Clay were trying to screen for each other. That went nowhere. Steph had to give it up to KD and KD was just like broke LeBron's ankles. But LeBron did a great job getting back into the play to disrupt Iguodala 
Iguodala's shot after uh, Durant dimed him up. And then that led to one of the more surprising plays of the entire game. LeBron got an ISO on Clay Thompson, something that happened a couple of different times during the game, got to his spot, and then just missed the layup. Yeah, I thought that LeBron in this game, he had not really, although he's had wonderful games, he had not really had that much success attacking guys like Iguodala, Durant, and Thompson just one-on-one in an ISO. And I thought he was much more successful at that in this game. And he blew right past Thompson. There was no help as the Warriors had gone back finally to green at center now and gone with the uh, the death lineup. But there was no help. And it looked like LeBron was just going to get a layup. And for some reason, maybe he just kind of tripped a little bit or didn't have the explosion or was expecting contact and didn't get it. He just airmailed it over the rim by like four feet, uh, which was pretty ugly. And then uh, KD was followed by Irving in transition. There actually were two Euro fouls in the last four minutes of this game. Much as people love to complain about the three shot fouls, and they probably are a bigger scourge at this point point the euro fouls or something else that i think the league really needs to clean up to some degree although at least irving made what might have been viewed as a legitimate attempt to take a charge which uh he wasn't really close to actually getting yeah i mean so do you want to move on to the next play well yeah this was then a timeout and kerr called up a play for clay thompson that he got wide open on a floppy action he started in the right corner iguodala set a bone crushing screen on smith and for some reason they didn't corver did not switch he just pointed out uh to the opposite side thompson ran all the way out to the left wing dream on green seeing that thompson had beaten smith already then screened his own man love to prevent love from popping out to take clay on the wing he was wide open didn't really seem to get his feet perfectly right which is rare for for clay and he really just bricked that three that could have tied the game at that point and after that is when it really started to look ugly for golden state uh kd was on irving in transition stopped him but then lebron in the late clock he had iguodala on him called corver up to set the screen corver was guarded by curry and lebron just split right past curry curry stepped out too hard to hedge iguodala did not do much of a job getting either over or under the screen just ran into it and that let lebron split get right to the rim they had to send emergency help and then jr smith was wide open on the right wing great pass from lebron and smith stuck it to put cleveland up 113 107 but little did we know at that time that cleveland would not score again they at this point in the game Irving had 38 and James had 39 and we were saying on the true NBA show yeah they're both gonna have to get 40 probably for them to win just like they did in game five last year but we had no idea that neither of them and indeed the entire Cavs team would never score again after uh that Smith three with 309 remaining evoking the surprising Warriors offensive collapse at the end of game seven where they didn't score for like the last six minutes or whatever it was and so then yeah, that, there so- were there were some parallels for sure uh I thought that, that that Kyrie possession after KD hit the three at the end was very kind of similar to Steph's possession against Kevin Love last year. Yeah, but, but except so we'll, Steph at least got a good matchup on that one before he failed to to <laughs> get a good shot. But part of what makes this game so interesting in hindsight is that where things went right after that didn't necessarily indicate what was to come because Steph got he he got trapped on a drag screen, ended up getting the ball to Durant who had a wide open three and he missed it. And you made the astute comment that it was a make or miss league two wide open three-point shots by good shooters one went in one went out Cleveland led by six with a little bit under three minutes left yeah he found green on the roll who set up Durant wide open right wing three couldn't hit it and at that point uh, our comment was hey if they score here they're going to be up eight with under two minutes you know basically two minutes left like that probably is going to end the game and that started really a nice defensive possession though for the Warriors they actually this is the one time late that the Cleveland actually managed to get the switch and Steph did a great job on Kyrie remember Kyrie was on the right wing Steph no doubt has played over in his mind many a time that Irving stepped back to his right he did a good job of forcing Irving left Green came over on the strong side zone and that was a play where I think Irving did a nice job to give it up he threw a skip pass to Smith but it was an excellent closeout from Draymond Green forcing Smith to take an escape dribble into the corner and take a pretty tough three but one that certainly J.R. Smith has hit many times in his career 
but that allowed LeBron James to get the offensive rebound. KD and Draymond Green were both out in the perimeter, and so Clay and Steph were into the basket. Uh, Iguodala boxed out Love successfully, but Clay did not box out James, and he got the offensive rebound. He backed it out, and then I thought one of the key plays of the game, again, if they score on this possession, the game seems like it's close to over. James, again, got a nice drive on Clay Thompson, passed it to Love, a really beautiful pass, and Green managed to help on James, stunt towards him, force the pass to Love, and then strip Love as he went up. Love was very agreed. He, he wanted to follow. We never really got a replay of that play, but it did. It looked pretty clean from what I could tell on, on the main camera. And that really set up the next play because neither Love nor James got back they were complaining to the ref and Steph Curry got in got a lefty layup and so then all of a sudden with 218 left it's a four-point game yeah that was a key sequence as uh JR had to run out to Clay in the corner and just I mean there was it was Corver Irving and Smith back because you know Love and James are the only two help defenders and so if you don't get your bigs back you're just not going to stop anyone transitioning mean, it's Curry's easiest shot of the night to just go straight in for a layup and that's just that's the kind of shot that you cannot give up at that point in the game if, if you expect to win when it should be maximum effort and they were complaining to the referees so then the next time down i thought this was going to be the definitive play of the game until you know what ended up happening kyrie irving yeah we thought that about a lot of plays <laughs> we did kyrie irving they got the switch that they wanted with the nerving jr early screen but clay was able to get back into the play because jr didn't move quickly enough away from kyrie so he got back kyrie yeah. and, and kyrie also just didn't attack curry he, he wanted to kind of and, and i think the Cavs. There was a little bit of a mentality here where they felt like they really wanted to run the time down. And they're a very confident team in terms of being able to make plays in the late clock. And that's, you know, ISOing and still scoring at the end of the clock and beating their guy one on one. But I thought there are a lot of these possessions where they really could have gone faster. Another that we'll get to here. But Irving was able to get close to the lane and he tried basically that same shot, right foot, right hand leaner. Thompson avoided following him and it just trickled off the rim after a couple of ounces. But Irving made an unbelievable play to steal it from Draymond Green. I mean, Irving got knocked down out of bounds and then got back into the play. I mean, it bounced around for so long that he was able to go get his own offensive rebound after like falling into the cameras, basically. And he got knocked to the ground, was able to find Corver. Corver was wide open for what could have been a dagger three and he elected to back it out with a four-point lead and under two minutes left to try to burn some more clock again that probably was not necessarily the right decision yeah and so then basically then they went back to something the Warriors have done throughout the series of going under on LeBron and got to him on the block LeBron got I think it was like a 12-foot fadeaway and he missed it and Love tweaked his ankle on that play which led to Kyle Korver committing a Euro foul yeah, and that was another one where they tried to involve Curry in the screen. He did not really hedge very much on LeBron, but Iguodala was able to just barely cut him off. And then LeBron went to a really tough right shoulder fadeaway, a shot that he's made many times in his career, but not a great shot. And yeah, they had to take a Euro foul in transition after it looked like love. I'm not sure what happened to him. He kind of landed on Durant's foot, but you know, there wasn't any like clear mechanism of injury. He was like kind of holding the back of his leg there. And so at that point, they subbed in Iman Shumpert and Tristan Thompson for defense with a four point lead and a minute 23 left. And I thought that, that was a good sub, but they were able to get a switch of Tristan Thompson onto LeBron James, a very easily given up switch, or I'm sorry, of Tristan Thompson onto KD. LeBron had been guarding him and they gave up that switch pretty easily. And then Thompson did not really execute very well. He's coming in cold off the bench, obviously, which I think is more difficult for players than people might realize. But he sent KD to his left, and that's what KD wants to do. He wants to go left, and he wants to take that exact floater that he ended up taking. And Thompson basically opened up his stance, sent him left, and it was a pretty easy shot for KD. And notable, too, that Thompson, a strong guy, KD was actually able to shoulder him out of the way. And you see the difference in strength for KD now versus five years ago when he played against LeBron in the final with OKC in 2012. Right. And so, and then the other thing that was a part of that was because they had gone defense for offense, Lou had two timeouts left, decided to use one of those to get his guys back on the floor with 115 remaining. And one timeout, considering you always want to be able to advance the ball at the very, very, very end of the game, that if you're basically not going to use that timeout, that put them in a, in a constraint that ended up mattering late. Yeah, it definitely did. And 
it's notable that for the warriors their best defensive lineup is pretty much the same as their best offensive lineup maybe you try to get curry out of there and put in livingston but uh after the way curry reacted for getting taken out on that last possession on christmas no way in hell curry was going to do that uh and taking a timeout for offense defense substitutions the warriors thrive so much in transition you would never want to do that and in fact uh that became quite key as we would see these next two possessions this was like the most fascinating possession in the game for me this is the one that ended with that corver miss corner three out of the timeout they ran a triple screen for lebron james at the top of the key uh involving corver love and then curry's guy jr smith and golden state did a great job of calling out the switches and getting the right guy switched on to james love was in the middle of that stack and he was being guarded by draymond and so they all saw it was coming they called it out in advance and they fixed it so i mean because normally the last guy in the stack would switch on to james that was supposed to be curry uh and while curry i think can do a reasonable job on kyrie irving in an iso he had no chance against james he was just getting steamrolled to the basket every time and so draymond was able to switch on to him james ran the clock down and then on the weak side it looked like jr smith was about to go and screen for lebron and so curry before that even happened he signaled andre guadala to come out of the corner and take jr smith so that smith couldn't go screen for lebron and get curry onto lebron again that left curry now in the weak side corner guarding kyle corver and kevin durant was down low against kevin love james was able to drive the lane and love instead of trying to get open i thought he did, had a great idea he instead set a flare screen on the baseline on curry because normally what would happen is james drives loves guy durant comes in to help on james and then curry has to sink inside of love so they can't get the pass to him so as lebron starts his drive curry realizes what's happening spins off of love and LeBron still throws a great pass to the corner. Corver was open enough to get a shot off. I mean, Kyle Corver led the league in three-point shooting this year, as is his want. But Curry was able to get out there and get enough of a contest to, by recognizing what was happening early enough. And Corver, of course, missed that. Kevin Durant got the rebound and then the dagger. Yeah, I mean, this was an, a, a pretty impressive sequence. He grabs the rebound. He's dribbling down the floor. It looked to me like whether it was because he was tired or because he's just kind of reading the circumstance, the Warriors are down two. LeBron plays him to drive and he just pulls the three at the uh, at kind of the elbow extended and just absolute, absolutely nails it. Yeah, this was with 51 seconds remaining. He gets that defensive rebound and, and brings it down. And just anyone who is wing size or more who can grab and go like that just causes some problems for you and clay thompson kind of just cut across lebron's face as he was running to the corner in transition i think that just let lebron not quite get in front of of duran as much as he would have wanted to and kd said in the post game interview with doris burke that he saw lebron's heels inside the three-point line and that meant that he was going to pull up and lebron it's a very difficult situation obviously with kitty coming at you in transition but i think to me what having watched kevin durant for years and years now the number one thing that he wants to do when he dribbles down like that is pull up for a three off the dribble. And you got to just be ready for that. LeBron wasn't ready, did not really get a great contest. And, you know, it's not easy because if you get out there, I mean, who is a great help defender on the floor other than LeBron himself? I mean, Cleveland had their offensive unit out there, right? So you've got JR, Corver, Kyrie, and Love are the other four players. And so you're worried about if, if I get out on this guy and he gets past me, there's no one to help at the rim. He's going to get a dunk and tie the game. Uh, but Durant went for the three for the lead and uh one of the bigger shots of kevin durant's career perhaps the biggest so kevin pelton and i argued well argued is a strong word for it we disagreed on what the so far the definitive highlight of this series is what would you say so far i'll leave it open-ended to you i can't even think of like what another option would be other than that kd3 so kp argued for the curry dribbling exhibition and finish over or finish around lebron in game two yeah i wouldn't say so because especially it's not like curry has like so clawed lebron or lebron hasn't played well or something like that like if, if curry it was, was a just double like dribble. so much 
that's probably true too uh yeah no i mean and this was this was that was the shot that like you know took the air out of the building and so at this point cleveland having only one timeout remaining they still got 45 seconds left when he makes that shot and we're saying right away on the true nba show jeff van gunny said in the broadcast hey they got to get a two for one here and irving brings it up shouldn't have really been particularly tired he wasn't involved in any of the action really on the previous possession and they had had a timeout before that. So LeBron tells JR, you can see him signal on the court, hey, go over there and set a screen for Kyrie. And so Steph and Andre were all over. Andre was guarding LeBron. Steph says, hey, now, Andre, you take JR. Uh, that would have left Steph on LeBron, which wouldn't have been great. Uh, but Steph still first before doing that kind of got in the way of JR. So he couldn't get over there as well to screen. And by that point, there really were almost two guys on JR Smith. So LeBron was wide open at the top of the key, you know, not really in scoring position, but they would have had to close out to him. And it probably would have been Curry. Irving, though, wasn't thinking about that at all. He was thinking about trying to get his own offense. And he actually waved away jr smith and smith was really frustrated with him because you know now is irving just going to go one-on-one against clay thompson which is a very tall order and smith was like man why is he doing this like he just kind of stalked away you could tell with his body language he was upset and rightfully so i think i mean it was why would you wave away the screen in that situation and so all that took time so they're not getting the two for one and really i mean that's you know you and i are always agree with no timeout, but i think a time that i disagree with that is when you're trying to get a two for one you can set up a play to get a play quickly and also just more importantly even perhaps inform your players that yeah you need to get the two for one here they're down by one right now uh 114 113 instead irving dribbles around for a long time nobody comes over to, to help him out the clock runs down he doesn't get the shot off until 20 seconds six seconds remain and clay thompson stayed in front of him really well irving drove to his right stepped back to his left where he's not as comfortable stepping back to his left but not only did he step back to his left i mean it looked like he was open but then he also for some reason took like a big huge step to get behind the three-point line and considering that he was 0 of 6 on three-pointers at that point, and they were only down one, didn't really seem to make much sense why you had to take a three, and he made his shot much more difficult to take a three, and it ended up being extremely short. Nobody was even close to being in offensive rebound position. And then there was kind of a weird circumstance where they basically let yeah. uh, almost 13 seconds run off the clock. Yeah, so it, this was a circumstance that drove me in many ways even crazier than the Kai replay because it feels like you should have a pretty good idea of what you want to do in that sort of a circumstance. So remember, the Warriors are up one with a, it was about 26 seconds left. So there was a, about a two second differential. The ball is in Stephen Curry's hand. So you have a couple different forces at play. One of them is you don't want to foul Stephen Curry. He's on fire. I, I think he's on his longest made free throw streak of his career and he's the best free throw shooter in the league. But you need time. Even if you don't have many timeouts left you need as many possessions as you can get and what they ended up doing was they let curry get all the way down the floor to past half court and then you're thinking oh maybe they're going to do a really aggressive trap though the warriors i believe still had two timeouts so they could have just called a timeout if he got in any trouble yeah and lou was signaling for the trap yeah at that point but they had already you know run off probably seven or eight seconds by that point just getting it across half court with very minimal pressure yeah no it's not like they were heating up the ball or anything they were just kind of just getting back i guess and so they did that and then eventually they they forced curry to get rid of the ball but they didn't have a plan for that because he passed the ball to draymond green who is not a good free throw shooter but there was no one there to foul him he gets the ball to kevin durant and then kevin durant gets fouled with i think it was about 2.9 left and then that's and no, that's no, when 12, 12 12 sorry 9. sorry 12.9 i i missed yeah i missed the tens column uh and so yeah so that's a a, a big a lapse of time because not only you have that but also this is a big reason why i am such a big proponent when possible of teams having multiple good free throw shooters in their closing lineup because then the idea of a trap is a, is less palatable because yeah they got the ball out of curry's hands but they got the ball to another guy who's a, a good free throw shooter who's going to have a decent shot at it and so it's it, you can make that work it also is uh, avoid stuff in terms of inbound plays and the warriors are able to do that not because that's why they got kevin durant but it certainly helps yeah and Lou did not really give the signal to foul until you know there was maybe 14 seconds left at, at that point but I mean I think the problem was they were all expecting to get the two for one it just took time for everyone to look at the shot clock and be like okay is like there's a maybe like a 1.5 second differential is that enough is like does coach want us to foul? does he not want us to foul? and and uh, Lou I think was just like no I don't want to just automatically foul Steph Curry and give up two points you know we got to try and get the ball back but you know I mean it was just 
it's a very very difficult situation when you're down one with the shot clock off and or essentially as good as off and Steph Curry has the ball and Durant did almost miss that first free throw it rimmed in but made a couple straight that was seven straight points at the end for Kevin Durant as you mentioned the 14 points in the quarter and so then there's a little bit more discussion on Twitter the idea that when they advanced the ball down three that Cal Corver wasn't in the game they actually brought in Tristan Thompson I wasn't as critical of that at first because I think number one he's their best screener and number two and LeBron James would know this as well as everyone on Ray Allen's tying shot you might miss the first three and so getting an offensive rebound and throwing it out for another three a lot of times could be your best offense in those situations as that's why it seemed like Thompson was in there but Golden State did a great job knowing they needed a three of leaving Thompson who's not a, a threat from beyond the arc they took away the primary action Green helped off of thompson who set a screen for irving they had to throw it in the quarter to james and james uh he didn't even get a screen at all he just was standing on the block and then ran out to the corner iguodala was all over it and made an unbelievable strip on james uh, uh, and a very risky one considering the fact that you know it could have been a three-shot foul Right. Yeah. I mean, it's in many ways you could think about it as a uh, vindication or redemption for last year where Iguodala had the highest or second highest profile failure in game seven, getting blocked by LeBron James. And Iguodala made a play that he is one of only maybe a, a handful of guys in the league would even try. And that was going for the strip, putting his hand in the right place, because the downside risk is insanely high. Because if he gets three fouls, you're, I mean, you're, you're three foul shots, you're, you're up three. And that's one of the the worst things that can happen even though LeBron is not the greatest free throw shooter he's still you know that's still a high value proposition for the Cavs and it doesn't run time off the clock so it was risky but Iguodala has faith in his ability to put his hand on the ball and it was absolutely the correct call to not call to not make it a foul yeah I mean the way that he ran out there I mean it's just nobody else runs out to close out that way I mean he basically ran out there with his arm fully extended and we heard a lot of talk about in that Houston Spurs series about the strike zone right like Greg Popovich Patty, uh, wouldn't say but patty mills did like we're taught we got to keep our hands out of the strike zone and Iguodala plays defense with almost the opposite idea he puts his hands into the strike zone and dares you to go through his hands and every once in a while he'll get called for it but pretty rarely I mean because he he basically puts his hands not necessarily he doesn't move his hands to the ball he puts his hands where he knows that you have to bring the ball and that's how he was able to get that strip and then the Warriors perhaps were lucky that James clearly committed a loose ball foul throwing Iguodala out of the way but they ruled that he actually had stepped out of bounds uh and touched the ball when he was out of bounds and so they're able to inbound it very quickly to curry we didn't see how that happened on the broadcast because they were too busy showing the replay and then curry hit a couple of free throws and it was all over with uh, cleveland having no timeouts remaining so just a big picture point on this whole thing is that i know there are going to be people who are disappointed that it looks like we're not going to get a competitive series between these two rivals these two highly touted teams but we got one hell of a game like this was one of the best finals games in recent time it obviously didn't have the stakes of game seven last year but it was extremely well played it was extremely intensely played and it also had a lot of material to talk about there were wrinkles and nuances throughout the entire game that were fascinating absolutely which uh i certainly enjoyed discussing i mean just from like a drama standpoint do you think it's just more interesting if like this had turned into like a harder fought six game series or if just the warriors go six 16 and 0 now which they are one win away from and don't worry if they uh, when they've gotten all this over we'll talk about where they fall in in history i think it's a little premature there still well we're gonna we're gonna probably but, have more time than we expected before the draft so we'll have some, we'll have some material <laughs> to do to do historical content but yeah i think i i kind of go both ways on this and a lot of it depends on the quality of the game so i think back to last year you know i was in cleveland for all three of those games and none of them were particularly from what i remember particularly competitive that was a series where the, you no. know there were a few games that were intriguing. game four was pretty competitive like golden state pulled yeah. away they pulled away late, late, but it was really only minutes. in the last five minutes yeah yeah and and so those types of games i would rather have a short series with interesting games than have a long series that you kind of know where it's going to go it has a couple of blowouts and i'm not sure that this is going to fit one of those boxers or the other but i'm thankful that we got game three i think Cavs fans can hang their hat on like yes this team is really really good they should have won this game 
game, in my opinion. But that is, you know, they they played they played excellently, and you know, now we don't know if we're going to see history. But well, actually, technically speaking, we did see some history because this is the first time in North American professional sports history that a team has had a 15 game winning streak in any playoffs, whether that's over multiple playoffs or in a single a single run. Yeah, that that's been remarkable, and. I've enjoyed this series immensely just to see the number of great players playing at a high level at various times, just the number of great plays that have been made just in this series, seeing how the strategy between the, these two teams, I mean, and it just, it's been enjoyable for me because we've been talking about this since basically the moment Kevin Durant signed of like what these matchups were going to look like and to see it actually play out strategically on the floor. And I mean, there's really in every great player in this series now has had some really good games you know so you can't just be like oh they this guy is exposed as a fraud like he he doesn't belong on this stage like all these great players have played well in this series i mean really the only guy you could look at that i look at as like a huge disappointment so far would be tristan thompson and he's you know he's not a star player and Green has been disappointing in terms of the amount of time he's played, but he's been good when he's been on the floor. So right. I, I look at that differently. One huge thing we haven't talked about, and it speaks to how how wild his performance was after it. We didn't talk at all about the LeBron James Tristan Thompson collision, which we thought might have ruined this game. Yeah, I mean, I was worried because when you see a dude get caught like on the side of the jaw like that, sometimes that can like really mess you up. And and he went down, but uh, he was able to, to gather himself. I mean, there was no concussion testing. It, it looked like that was done. I mean, we're saying at the time like if he's down for this long like how is there no concussion testing but i mean i guess he was okay uh still a little surprising that it didn't happen but you know there are uh, there are other forces at work that maybe prevent that from happening to you know the guy people consider the best player in the world and him saying is okay he's the most powerful person in the organization so there's nobody who has the balls to go tell him that no you gotta actually go sit out for the next six minutes while we do concussion testing in the locker room if he says he's fine yeah i mean if you if you extrapolate out the negative 12 that cleveland was for that like two and a half minutes if you extrapolate that out for six minutes i mean maybe they're behind by 40 that's not actually how the math works but eh. yeah where are we going from here uh do do you think cleveland is going to be able to come out and make this competitive in game four i mean it feels like one of the where it's like yeah they might keep it competitive for a half but then they're going to kind of you know the inevitable will happen and kp had a piece today saying that basically when teams lose a game three they are much more to go down three zero is much more likely for them to lose game four like five game series most of those occur with the team the road team getting a winning game three very few five game series occur with the lone win for the road team coming in game four so uh, relative to the other games so definitely i mean there's just a feeling that it's over at this point but we'll see i mean the fact that they came back from 3-1 last year maybe the narrative now is like well uh we we made it even harder on their on ourselves now we're gonna do it. i mean maybe, maybe they can summon some uh, emotional impetus that way i think what cleveland can learn from this game is that when they're playing their best they can absolutely win games in this series and i am not going to write them off in terms of especially winning games. they've four. gotten better every game absolutely I mean, they, they can at least take heart in that and, and yeah i mean if you look at the three-point shooting these last couple of games they could have been right there maybe in game two if they had hit some more threes and then uh they should have won this one if they had hit threes the way they normally would although they are it is tougher you know i, I think they are more tired they're not playing Channing fry who's obviously one of their better three-point shooters as well um but i mean they got the looks in this game I and mean, they shot a great percentage on two pointers and they got 44 three-point attempts up uh 11 more than Golden State did. And despite that, Golden State still outscored them by 12 points from the three-point line. That's got to be discouraging. So the way that I would describe where we're going with game four is it's a circumstance where just as a fundamental human issue, where if the Warriors get ahead by like 15 at a certain point, then you start to say, oh, maybe it's over. And I don't think it's necessarily going to be LeBron packing it in or Kyrie Irving packing it in. I just think that the overall team will get down and it's really hard to, to make it up, especially we've talked about how the Warriors are yeah. a tough team to come back on. So well, it'll happen on defense, I think, for them if they if they start to to lose it. Yeah, and think about how great they played in, in for by and large in that first quarter. Well, maybe not defensively in the first quarter, but even in the first half, and they still trailed by six, I believe it was at halftime. And so if you know if something like that happens again, then maybe it goes out. But I am not absolutely not willing to write off the Cavs at this point. They are a team. At least that from is, winning game four. Right, right. At least oh yeah, yeah. 
I think we know who's going to win this series. But Cleveland in that in that circumstance, and you know the Warriors, they have this thing. We we could have talked about this more earlier, but when the wheels fall off the train offensively for them, they really fall off, and they they just look a little bit listless. They they're not really running much in, in the way of stuff, and that can even be with Curry on the floor sometimes. Curry and Durant, I thought they were flat at the end of the third quarter, and so you know really against a team this good, it only takes one or two flat stretches for Cleveland to get an advantage they can push and win the game. Yeah, and for all that, they still put up 118 points on uh, 98 possessions in this game, 120 offensive rating. It's wild. So, uh, but yeah, it did look ugly, as we mentioned, in, in the third quarter. Just strategically, anything to talk about here? I mean, I, I thought Cleveland looked pretty good with kind of like their all defensive unit out there, like Shumpert, Jefferson, Thompson. Like, I think maybe if you're going to have love and Irving out of the game that maybe your strategy could be we're gonna go with like LeBron and all defense maybe instead of like LeBron and all shooters that has not been their approach and then the other thing I would say is I would probably take LeBron out of the game for that period at the start of the second and fourth quarter with no kitty and no stuff and we'll just put let Kyrie go to work and just try to get him isolated on Ian Clark every time and like that'll be the way that we try and score during during those minutes um yeah, I'm totally on board with that. Just especially as a way because to stay they can float. they can generate reliable offense that way. You know, they don't they don't need LeBron necessarily out there for those minutes. And the Warriors in that lineup, as long as they're not uh, not getting reliable stops, they're not offenses. Their offense is not going to be generating that much. So I think that's a good way of doing it. Thompson, 16 minutes in the first half, only seven. Tristan Thompson in the second half. Cal Corver played the last 15 minutes of the game here all in a row. That's a lot for a guy his age. So they probably, if they're going to, if they really want to play him that much, you know, bring him back in earlier in the first and third quarter than that. So you can get him out and get him back in again if you really want him closing halves. JR, they're able to get him going pretty well. Uh, definitely was smart sticking with him. I think that they should still do that. And I mean, I guess you would just say, hey, if Thompson's not going to be able to be effective on a switch on the off or on the offensive glass, maybe it doesn't make sense to play him. What is their offensive rating with Thompson on and off the floor in this series? I'd be very interested to hear that. I have it that so while he's been on the floor, they have a 110 offensive rating and a 130 defensive rating. So negative 19.4 net and then 93.3 offensive rating, 100.4 defensive rating with him off the floor. So 130 on 100 off defensive rating and then offensive rating they're much better with him out there that's very interesting i think some of that might be also that his minutes are like are largely matched up with pachulia's yeah that's a good point and a lot of his minutes are just matched up with those four golden state all-stars as well so that that could be part of that and so i i do think that i would like to see him get more minutes against some of those backup units right like let him try to go to work against david west and if they're gonna start pachulia you know maybe just start love at center why not and then bring Thompson in so he can go to work against JaVale McGee who's not a great defensive rebounder or or, uh, against David West and then I think he's also more useful against the Draymond at center lineups due to his ability to switch a little bit although that has been a lot less effective in this series than it was last year so maybe maybe that's a a way to use him but you know I think they'll they're not really going to change much uh, at this point. And, and it's difficult to say that like strategy was the problem in this game, right? Like they outplayed the Warriors. So I think much more so, I, what did you think of the whole like, oh, they got to slow the pace down aspect? I guess the, the, maybe the one thing you can point to is, you know, Dream on Green was plus 14 in this game. And they still really weren't able to be successful and score against their lineups with Green at center. And they're going to see a lot more of those if Green doesn't get in foul trouble. So in some ways, maybe this is a false sense of security in this game for how well they're able to score because Golden State just their defense was compromised without their best defensive player playing in the best possible way. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Not only did he play fewer minutes, but that he played minutes where he had to be tentative. I remember, I think, was that a Kyrie Irving drive where he basically just let him get to the rim because he couldn't commit another foul? Right. Those sorts of things. You you get compromised. He's not Blancote, obviously, with foul trouble, but it's still something that every guy is cognizant of. Green actually probably should have been more cognizant of in certain circumstances. Someone actually had a great suggestion on Twitter that a a thing we can put on NateDuncanNBA.com is like a glossary of terms yeah like blind coat zoolander uh over the back breaker like some some of these things that we use a lot um 
that we can add to uh, on a regular basis but that is for another day i think we're about done here unless you wanted to uh, add anything else danny before we depart no i i think that's that's plenty i will give a little plug that my i think it was my mavericks offseason preview came out for si today those are just rolling out you can check them out pretty much every day there's something new um almost all of them are actually written at this point it's just you know the editing and everything else like that and who knows i might have to write cleveland and golden states tomorrow yeah that'll be interesting and uh we'll be back of course uh, later in the week with more and and uh wrap up game four on friday night don't forget our sponsors today transistor go to jfet jfet dot io slash cap space and get a comprehensive audit of your site with recommendations you can use yourself for five hundred dollars which is fifty percent off their normal price and then bull and branch b-o-l-l and branch.com use that cap space code to get fifty dollars off a great pair of sheets touch all next time